Welcome back to New Rockstars. Welcome back to my mom's room. My God, I missed it. Oh, it was so freeing to be a big boy in my own apartment, but I said, no, no, no. The prodigal son must return home to his mother. This is the big question. The big question might be, when are you gonna start living like an adult, Tommy? And the big answer is never. Uh, this is the show that gives you too much information about 2,000 foot tall space step parents covered with armor and ready to destroy the whole planet if you don't clean up your room. True story, uh, my mom asked me to keep my room a little tidier this morning. So I'm Tommy Bechtold and I'm here today with my friend, my fellow member of the Big Head Gang, the peaches to my cream, the cream to my peaches, Mr. MT, what's up, baby? <laughs> what's going on, Tommy? I am here and I'm ready to get into some celestial action. Yes. Uh, celestials are weird and we got to talk about them. Celestial action is my favorite uh, subcategory <laughs> on the hub. <laughs> MT, I've been made aware that there is a new brand of, of headwear called Mammoth for guys with big heads and God, I don't normally solicit sponsors, but oh my God. if there was ever a company that needed to sponsor, big question. <laughs> Mammoth, if you're listening, right? reach out to Come us. On. Give us some hats. Mammoth. They make snapbacks. Do you see this dome yeah, right now? It's free this, real estate. It's free real estate. This is a pair of men's large <laughs> jogging pants that I have around my head. Just this isn't, <laughs> this isn't a headband, okay? This is a belt for, for a large man. <laughs> As the release date of the Eternals looms on the horizon, we are starting to ask more questions about the cosmic elements of Marvel Comics as they expand into the MCU. One particular element right. we've only heard mentioned in passing so far are the Celestials. And what little we've seen up until this point hasn't been very nice. So that got us thinking about this week's big question. <laughs> are the Celestials in the MCU actually evil? It's a great question because the Celestials are a very mysterious race of people. I mean, like... Ever since they were introduced, like they've pretty much been surrounded in mystery. So mm. let's get into this. So the Celestials are a cosmically ancient 2,000 foot tall beings covered in armor and their true origin is unknown, but many of the theories related to their creation are based on ancient myths and legends from different species across the universe. And the Celestials, of course, have played a part in the evolution of life throughout time in the universe. However, their methods don't always have a gentle touch. They've been known to wipe out an entire planet here and there, but are their intentions inherently evil? Well, or are they more like the gods of myth here on Earth, or even the Old Testament capital G, God God, taking a firm and judgmental approach on humans and their choices in order to make us better? Mm. So we'll examine what we know about the Celestials from the comics, but first, let us look at what we know about the Celestials so far in the MCU. Within the MCU, the Celestials are an ancient race of incredibly powerful beings who are able to manipulate matter and energy. And as we've said, they are some of the oldest beings in the galaxy, like even older than the Asgardians. And they were the original wielders of the Infinity Stones because in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, as the Collector is explaining the history of the Infinity Stones, we do see Essen the Searcher using the Power Stone to wipe out an entire planet of robed people who were just trying to chill. Not very chill. Zero percent cool. Like if I was, you know, at a party and some dude was like, hey, got the Power Stone, gonna destroy everybody on this planet. I'd be like, yo, this is not a very cool party. No, thing not do, that kind dude. of party, bro. And in Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 2, we are of course introduced to Peter Quill's father, Ego of the Living Planet. In the MCU, he's a Celestial, though that's not the same in the comics. He's mm. not a Celestial in the comics, but he is in the MCU. And Ego is bored with immortality and thinks the universe is full of lame, inferior life forms, which, you know, 
There are a lot of lame inferior life forms out there, but that's not very accurate ego. There's a lot of cool people. That's right. You go to pockets of Los Feliz, it'd be hard to argue with them. You know, there's a lot of lame <laughs> inferior life forms. <laughs> I think ego just took a trip there. He's like, you know what? I, I got to expand. I got to go bigger. This I got to go to Venice. And he had a plan to reshape the universe by making every planet an extension of himself. Like he plants seeds on every planet he encounters and leaves a lot of lonely kids waiting on the doorstep for Pops to come pick them up. And when he does, he promptly murders them because, oh. you know, that's what nice dads do. That's not true at all. He is a terrible father. Don't be like Ego or no. Omni-Man. Either of those. Those are perfect examples of bad dads. So remember that. I can always start again. Make another kid. <laughs> <laughs> so our first full-on encounter with the Celestial in the MCU, not looking so nice. But another destructive force we've seen in the MCU is, of course, the Destroyer armor from the first Thor movie. Um, it's meant to guard Odin's vault, but thanks to Loki, gets unleashed on the bustling downtown of Puente Antiguo, New Mexico. Like, we don't know the full history of the Destroyer armor within the MCU. However, the Destroyer armor has a history in the comics that ties directly to the Celestials. Like Odin actually created the armor to protect Earth from destruction by the Celestials should they deem humanity a failure, which is pretty hardcore stuff. And I really hope that we get to see the Destroyer again in Eternals because like that would be fire to see Destroyer fight the Celestials. Yeah, huge, massive. And there's also the possibility that Thanos could have been unleashed on the universe by the Celestials. Like the Mad Titan was driven solely by his quest to create balance in the universe. The desire for balance came from his experiences as a young purple dude on Titan. Yes, he saw his home planet crumble under the weight of overpopulation and dilution of resources, but he could have also been indoctrinated to fulfill the will of his father, Alars. And of course, Red Skull confirmed the existence of Thanos' father during his trip to the Soul Stone on Vormir in Avengers Infinity War. Mm. You gotta remember, we saw Ego give his son Peter Quill a new cosmic perspective in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and Peter is overwhelmed by this new celestial point of view and was instantly on board with Ego's plan. So could a similar event have happened to a young Thanos in the past? Like Ego is a celestial in the MCU and there's a possibility that Alars could be one as well. He was at least an Eternal in the comic books. And even if Alars isn't made a celestial in the MCU, he could still be an Eternal devoted to the Celestials mission who passed this ideology on to his son. Hmm. Now let's take a look at all the celestials that we've seen so far in the MCU. Woo! And it's not a whole lot. So like, you know, yeah. don't need to buckle in because right. the only one that we've really seen is as in the searcher from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, his ability to wield the Power Stone indicates his incredible durability and strength. Like, you need to have some really good juice in your, in your blood to, yeah. to be able to wield a, a big old pur purple rock. Purple rock? Purple rock. Purple rock. Final answer. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really the only Celestial that we've seen at this point, other than, of course, Ego the Living Planet that we see in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. He doesn't look like the traditional Celestials that we know of in the comics, like those big robot-looking people. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny how, like, they look like robots, they sort of talk like robots, right. but they're not robots. No. They're just gods that we do not comprehend. <laughs> Ego in volume two is presented as a brain mm. surrounded by planet. Um, and he was called a celestial in the MCU, but he's not in the comics. Of course, we also have Nowhere, the head ah. of the floating celestial that for some reason, the collector decided to turn into a uh, capitalism central. Yeah. Um, it's just like, hey, this yeah. head is just floating around here, just not doing anything. Let's just... Let's just move in like a, what do you call it? Like, like snails? Yeah, snails like a hermit crab. Beach. Like hermit crabs, yeah. duh, like snails. 
hermit crabs. <laughs> hermit, yeah. That's exactly the thing I was looking for. <laughs> um, just hermit crab living in, in Celestial's bodies. He's yeah. waiting for the next one to float around. He's like, come on, Celestial body. I need, I need a new piece of real estate. It's free real estate. Hermit crabs are just snails that worked out a little bit, you know? They're just, they're exactly. just, they're just ripped snails. I, I failed out of my marine biology degree. Right. I, uh, I tried. Hey. I tried my best. You're a marine biologist in my eyes, MT. I tried. So we have, of course, Essen, Ego, Nowhere, and obviously, lastly, we have Peter Quill. People tend to forget that Peter Quill is still very much part celestial. Like, just because his dad is dead doesn't mean that Peter Quill just suddenly, suddenly stops having that celestial blood in his body. So, like, Peter Quill could have those same powers that we see in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 again, he just needs a power source. He needs that connection to the light. So don't forget, like we're probably gonna see something like that pop up in Thor 4. Mm. But anyway, that's just me on a, on a weird tangent. And some Eternals concept art has presented some more Celestials that we could see in the upcoming film. The first of these is Arishem the Judge. And in the comics, Arishem the Judge is Celestial who is tasked with judging whether or not a civilization on a planet would live or die. Mm. And he's the leader of all four Celestial hosts on Earth, which is great. He's been there for all four. He doesn't miss it, so that's nice. Yeah. And he was there for the flooding of Earth during the Great Cataclysm because he was... One of the people that triggered it after the Deviants were stupid and decided to fire on the Celestials. Why would you do that, Deviants? Why? They're very big. They're quite bigger than you. Sorry, I don't mean to <laughs> hate on Deviants and be Deviant racist. Mm. Um, but that was a very stupid thing, Deviants. Very devious. And this event caused Atlantis to be submerged into the seas 20,000 years ago. So this is very significant to the Marvel Cinematic Universe because um, Namor is probably most likely on the way. So this second host of the Celestials um, we'll probably get a shout out in Eternals and we might even get a Namor tease there. And he did this because he judged that the Eternals had failed to protect the Homo sapiens from enslavement by the Deviants, which to be fair, they sort of did at the time. Mm. And this event became the myth of Noah's Ark. Fun facts, like the, that flood in um, the, that Bible story is because of the second uh, host of the Celestials, AKA the Great Cataclysm. Mm. They don't teach you that at Sunday school, but they should. No. Just kidding. <laughs> Please don't get mad at me. That's not actually true. <laughs> I don't remember that from my religion class, uh, them being like, well, if we look to the book of Lee, Stan, uh, Marvel, uh, we see here the great cataclysm from the second host of Celestials caused Atlantis to be submerged. No, the, somehow they skipped that part. You know, Jack Kirby's my favorite apostle, dude. That's right. Like, it's 10 out of 10. Book of Jack. And of course, we also have Nezer the Calculator. And Nezer the Calculator's sole duty is to examine and catalog all data brought to him by the others and produce the findings to Erisham the Judge. Mm. And he can project illusions, which is pretty neat because I can't do that shit. No. And during the fourth host of the Celestials, the Soviets launched a nuke at him and his armor totally protect him. However, he did make an illusion that made the crew think that the missile had fired back at them and it caused them to freak out so much that it caused them immense mental trauma on them and put them all in a coma. Which I is... would say that's understandable. Yeah, I get that. That would probably happen to me too. Yeah, you know, if, if someone fired a nuke at me, you know, I feel like that's the automatic response that my body would have is to just... <laughs> Uh, make them believe that uh, I, I fired a nuke at them, you know, which is a great perk right. of uh, being a celestial. Wow. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, you know what? You guys are assholes. Right. I'm going to give you guys some mental trauma. <laughs> yes. Trauma. Trauma. 
and he fought the Asgardians and lost an arm, but he grew it back instantaneously. So that's pretty impressive of the Asgardians to take an arm off of a Celestial. That's yeah. no small feat. But very frustrating that it grew right back. They were like, we got him. We took his arm off. And then, <laughs> oh no, it's growing right back. Ah. Right? You can't even brag about that at the bar later. It's like, oh. yeah, I took a Celestial's arm off, but it grew back like two seconds later. So I guess it's not that big. He also waged war on the Watchers, Ooh. which is, you know, pretty weird considering that they're a pretty uh, chill and peaceful people. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes they'd be watching you while you're doing uh, your private stuff. And yeah. that's not cool. I would attack them too. Not the, the Peeping watcher. Toms. Yeah, that's the right. The Creepers. The Creepers. Do the creep. And then we, of course, have Hargan the Measurer is a celestial task with measuring and quantifying the planets of celestial survey. Huh. And there's not too much on him. He hasn't committed any major crimes yet mm. that we know about. So, I mean, he's a celestial, so he's probably committed uh, a lot of genocide during his day, uh, mm. during his millions of years of existence. So you're on the shit list too, Hargan. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Jemiah the Analyzer. Jemiah the Analyzer's main function as a Celestial is to analyze the progression and activities of the civilizations that the Celestials have conducted their many genetic experiments on and report them to the leader of the Celestial host, Erishim the Judge. Mm. And he participated in all four hosts to Earth and wrote the Jemiah the Analyzer's fractal scriptures in an indecipherable text. Mm. And what this is, is that the Eternals view Jemiah's fractal scriptures at, to be like the written word of the Celestial, like mm. the Celestial Bible. And only Ajak was able to decipher it, which was considered a monumental achievement. So mm. this is why Ajak is a very important member of the Eternals team. Because usually Ajak is the only one that can communicate to the Celestials and, you know, understand the Celestial, um, you know, language mm. and, and what they're all about. And like, but even Ajak has a very small picture of what the Celestials are actually doing because they still remain very uh, mysterious because they don't really treat humanity all that seriously. But fun fact, in the Guardians of the Galaxy film, while the Guardians are waiting to meet the Collector, they are waiting at a bar called the Boot of Jemiah. This is no respectable establishment. Ah. So that is a direct shout out to uh, the Celestial Jemiah. But there are some potential Celestials in the MCU that haven't been revealed yet that I think um, might be revealed in the future. And I think the Collector is one of those Celestials. Mm. And here's why, my friend, is because there is a Celestial called Gaminan the Gatherer. And his job is obviously to gather up a, a lot of these like people and, and beings on these planets to actually do the experimentations on. And what does the Collector do? He likes to collect stuff. I, mm. I think that there's something that happened in the past uh, for some reason that really condensed these huge Celestials down into humanoid beings. And so the Collector is Gaminan the Gatherer and the Grandmaster is actually Zirin the Tester. Because if you look at the Grandmaster's clothes in Thor Ragnarok, the colors uh, underneath his gold jacket anyway, are very um, similar to that of Zirin the Tester's. Mm. So I think that something happened in the past there that caused uh, Gaminan and uh, Zirin to become humans. And so like the there, there might be a, a weird like tie between the Elders of the Universe and the Celestials that we haven't uh -huh. seen yet. But that's just me being a weirdo with my weird <laughs> ideas. Um, <laughs> I like it, I like it. But those are the Celestials in the MCU or potential Celestials in the MCU. Um, but let's get into some Celestials in the comics. Like often referred to as space gods by many races, uh, there are 22 known Celestials, though the number has shifted a little throughout time. And there's different versions of different universes that have different types of Celestials. We won't get into that. And they have visited the Earth four times over the ages in these events they call hosts, which 
aren't very, um, you know, hospitable events, yeah. but they, you know, they they call them hosts. And of course, after the second host, they flooded the planet and they claim that it was for our own good. But uh, did we really smell that bad? Did we really smell so bad that they needed to flood the entire planet? I don't think so, Celestials. I don't think so. Because that's a, that's a big ass bath. That's a big bath. Yeah. And here are some notable moments that we've seen of Celestials in the comics, because um, even Galactus was fearful of the Celestials' power, because he once confronted a group of mad Celestials from another reality, stating that he knew their true purpose. And this really pissed them off, and they tried to destroy him. And their violent response to Galactus' statement certainly points to the idea that their intentions are ultimately not good. But Reed Richards was actually once able to harm the Celestials with some of his technologically advanced weaponry, because that man is one of the smartest motherfuckers I've ever seen in my days. Um, this is one of the rare moments showing a Celestial's weakness. I mean, other than the, that time that, uh, you know, a Celestial's arm got cut off. Yeah, and then it grew right back. It got better. And with the Fantastic Four coming to the MCU soon, this would be a crucial addition to Earth's defense against a future attack from the Celestials. Mm. So, uh, Reed Richards coming to town would be a really great way to uh, defend ourselves from a future Celestial attack if the Eternals end up failing. Mm. But, so, Reed Richards better hurry the f*** up. Hurry up! And a deviant claims that the Celestials were the ones who created the deviants in the first place, which is very true because when the Celestials came down to um, every planet, but when they came down to Earth, they made the Eternals and the deviant races along with the, um, you know, the branch humanity timeline with all of our cool stuff in our DNA, like the X gene. So those are some notable moments with the Celestials in the comics, mm. but here are some villainous acts of the Celestials mm. in the comics because they do some pretty bad stuff, like creating the Death Seed, for example. Ooh. Like, this device can reanimate the dead and force them to do the bidding of the wielder of the Death Seed, which, good God, uh, wouldn't it be funny just to see your, you know, a deceased grandma just uh, just doing the will of a an evil person. Oh. And this could be the Celestials or anyone else that is in direct possession of the Death Seed, so that's pretty bad. And they also created the Black Vortex, which is basically a mirror which can show you your ultimate cosmic potential. And if you submit it to the Black Vortex, you'd be granted the promised powers. And the first people to receive the Black Vortex, the Viscardi, ultimately wiped each other out over its power. So mm. that's, you know, it sounds like a great thing, but it, I guess it'll, it'll really just mess up yeah. your neighborhood. So, you know, just don't, don't mess with the Black Vortex. It's like one of those fitness mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. <laughs> And the Black Vortex also led to the destruction of the Kree homeworld of Hala. So that's pretty significant to, um, you know, the overall Kree history. And the mutant apocalypse utilized celestial technology to carry out his evil deeds. Well, maybe not directly an evil attack by the celestials, but as in the searcher's intervention into the life of apocalypse uh, really set some dominoes up to some really unfortunate things that apocalypse would do to the mutants and, you know, Earth in general later on. So... Mm. Thanks, Celestials. Thanks a lot, you idiot. And they destroyed many civilizations and even entire planets when they deemed them a failure of genetic manipulation. And they've killed trillions of living beings across the galaxy. So that's a pretty villainous thing yeah. to do. And of course, they pitted the Kree and the Skrull against each other by manipulating across time and space. And this was done to create a genetics arms race and often result in the creation of superpowered variants like Super Scrolls and the Kree's genetically evolved rule race, which is something that I haven't really thought about in a while. Um, and this often leads to catastrophic events. Ah. And they, of course, created the mutants for the purpose of igniting a genetic war between humans and these 
human variants. Think whoever you believe in every day that celestials aren't real because yeah. I would have a lot of uh, anxiety. Yeah. Look, looking up at the sky like, is it today, Lord? Is it today, Lord? <laughs> in conclusion, the celestials are not inherently evil. It's more that they possess a complete indifference about the loss of life on an individual scale. They're looking at the long evolutionary line of the universe and what must be done to keep it moving forward and improving. This is the opposite perspective of a group like the Avengers who see every life as precious, of course, because, you know, we're here Aww. on Earth and we, you know, experience Earth. But because they live life on a much grander scale, they're just like, who cares? Like, you know, like I said previously in another video, it's like, do you care about what goes on in the life of an ant outside? Not really. We're not mm. really thinking about that shit. Mm. So it's just like, we're sort of ants to them. Mm. And, but like other ants, you know, sort of value the lives of their of their other ank buddies because like that's where they live. Right. Anyway, the Celestials observe the universe on a completely different scale across the whole of space and time. And we as mere humans cannot begin to understand the reasons behind any of their decisions. And as Loki said in the universe, an ant has no quarrel with a boot. Ant, boot. However, from the perspective of a single life form, just trying to exist within its short time of life in the universe, the actions of the Celestials, especially something like the destruction of an entire species, can be seen as completely evil and horrific. Because, mm. you know, that's, you, one would not blame a person exper currently experiencing the death of their, you know, planet just to, to think that, hey, maybe these Celestial guys are a little bit evil. Yeah. But, like, you know, it's just a matter of perspective. Yeah. Which is weird, because... They are doing some pretty messed up stuff. And because of their seeming immortality, the Celestials could be seen as beyond the paradigms of good and evil. Like mm. the, the reasons behind their actions are truly unknowable. Mm. And the Celestials see all life as merely an experiment. They don't bother to explain their actions to mere mortals. So we are left to draw our own conclusions from the choices that they make. Because mm. they're never going to explain that shit to us ever. Their calculations are unknown to us. And if it comes up that we are to be destroyed, they don't care about our thoughts and opinions on that. Because, you know... It's just another planet that they've destroyed. There's just so many planets in the cosmos that it's just like, all right, just, that's planet one trillion two thousand and five gone. Right. On to the next one. Right. <laughs> so what do you think, Tommy? Are the Celestials good or evil? I think they're a lot like an older cousin. You know, like, uh, it just depends. <laughs> uh, they're not going to tell you why they're <laughs> doing the things that they're doing, but it might... What they're doing might result in you having a very good time. Maybe you're at an amusement park for the day, or it might result in you having a very bad time, i.e. you all end up uh, in jail. So I think it just depends. Like they are, uh, they're truly, they seem like most uh, ancient gods. They're emotional basket cases that behave uh, uh, irrationally on whims of, uh, of however they feel. Are they evil? I don't know that they're necessarily evilly intended. Are they good? Far, far from often good. So I'd say they're pretty good at being evil. I, I do like that. And I love how you compare them to an older cousin. Yeah. <laughs> it just depends. We yeah. need to put that on a shirt. Yeah. Celestials are like your older cousin. It really just depends. Just are depends. they evil? <laughs> it, it, it just depends. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't say that they're evil. Yeah. They're just like. They're just doing their thing and we just can't comprehend it. Yeah. We're just, we're just ants. It's, it's pretty upsetting and it gives me like a little bit of an existential crisis yeah. because we really are small yeah. in the grand scheme of oh, things. I'm going to take an anxiety pill after this. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I'm going to go take a pill. <laughs> All right. 
We are going to dive into our bite-sized questions next, but first a word from some of the folks that help us bring you Big Question. You don't have to be unhappy with your smile. Thousands of people have used Candid, the clear, comfortable, removable, practically invisible aligners to straighten their teeth. Not me. Look at this. This is a mouth only a mother could love. This one is Buffalo. This one oh. is Rochester. <laughs> and right here is Route 90, baby. This is Route 90. All right? Hey, man, you got a great smile, man. Thank you. Just like real customer Justin M. from Atlanta, or as I say, Hotlanta, and they hate it, uh, who used Candid to get rid of the gap between their front teeth that used to draw unwanted attention. Your treatment is prescribed and closely monitored remotely by a licensed orthodontist. That's good. I used an unlicensed orth orthodontist, and that's how I ended up here. Uh, his name was Peter. He was very shy, and most of his tools seemed to be things that he found in, like, a model airplane kit, including glue. He sounded very confident outside the Home Depot. He was. When he lured me in, he was super confident, but he got really shy once the work began. You'll have the same quality of care you get from an in-office orthodontist from the comfort and convenience of your home, because I want all major dental decisions to be made uh, from my bed right next to my PlayStation 3. That's right. I said three. I'm two generations behind. With Candid, the same orthodontist who created your plan is with you from start to finish. The average Candid treatment is just six months, though you'll start seeing results way before then, and it costs thousands less than traditional braces. Become your best you. Start straightening your teeth today. Right now, you can save $75 on Candid Starter Kit. Go to candidco.com slash bigquestion and use code BIGQUESTION. That's candidco.com slash BIGQUESTION. Code BIGQUESTION. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save $75 on your starter kit. Candidco.com slash BIGQUESTION. Code BIGQUESTION. My design expertise is relatively low. And when I need to design something, it takes too long and comes out not looking as good as I'd like. I tried to start a business called Tommy's Toys. Uh, it was a line of action figures based on nightmares that I had as a child. So instead of Spider-Man, there was man-made of spiders. There was just literally a bunch of plastic spiders that combined to make a man. Instead of Superman, there was Soup or Man. Oh there was a big bowl of soup made of man parts, okay? <laughs> anyway, Tommy's Toys did not do well. We were unable to get a design off the ground. However... Now that I have Canva Pro, my designs are next level, and we could be going into toy stores. Are KB's toys, toys still open? Tommy's toys might be in there next month now that I have Canva Pro. Canva Pro is the easy-to-use design platform that has everything you need to design like a pro. It's a quick, easy, and affordable way to design whatever you need. Canva Pro has a collection of over 75 million premium photos, videos, audio, and graphics. And if you don't like those... Just text me and I'll record something for you. Plus, Canva Pro comes with time-saving tools that simplify and speed up the creative process. My favorite Canva Pro feature is the one-click background remover. With one click, you can cut out the background of a photo so you can drop your dog into any MCU movie memes in record time. And God knows I need that for my apartment. Oh my God. Which is pathetic. <laughs> so when I'm on Bumble, I can cut out my apartment 
and put a brick interior, <laughs> maybe with a fireplace, maybe with a mounted bear's head in the back. So they know that I'm rugged oh and outdoors. You already know what the girls on Bumble like, bro. That's, you already know. That's right. There's no idea too big or too small for Canva Pro. There are some ideas that are too stupid, like Tommy's toys. It's great for startups, students, marketing teams, nonprofits, entrepreneurs, crafty moms, princesses, jocks. It's great for folks trying to start online businesses, or just folks that want to step their social media game up. Design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you use my promo code. Just go to canva.me slash big question to get your free 45-day extended trial. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash big question. Canva.me slash big question. All right. It's time to just right. take out your little bag of goldfish. Oh, num, 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 num. Just time for a little bite-sized, <laughs> num, 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 little num, num snacks. It's time for mm. bite-sized questions, baby. What do you got for me, MT? Bite-sized question. Well, the first bite-sized question of the day, Tommy, is why are some Cree blue and some are not? Oh. This is from Geo Fishy on Discord. So that's a great question. As we saw in the MCU films, such as Guardians of the Galaxy and Captain Marvel, the Kree are a race of aliens that resemble humans almost <laughs> exactly in their physical appearance, except for they are fine as hell. Mm. Not an ugly Kree in sight. No sixes, <laughs> no sevens, all eight, nines, and tens. No, no. Uh, Six and above. Some Kree have blue skin tones, such as Ronan the Accuser and Minerva, However, other Kree, like Yon Rogue and Marvel, do not. The film never explains the difference, but we can turn to the comics for the answer. Once again, thank you, comics. Yes. For always answering Bless our you, questions comics, when the writers medium. of a film don't know how to explain. The Kree were all originally blue-skinned, living on their home world of Hala. As they traveled to other worlds, they began to breed with other species. Hello, Kree, having some fun on vacation. Ooh, I've gone to another planet. Now mm. I've had a baby. Cue the TikTok meme of, I'll never forget you to the Cree that I met on the beach in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> Here's your son. He's green. Over the millennia, a new group of Cree emerged with pink skin more closely resembling a Caucasian human. Eventually, the pink-skinned Cree mm. outnumbered the blue-skinned Cree. The blue-skinned Cree saw themselves as purebred, which is always a great sign and maneuvered to hold a majority of the power <laughs> in the government. The pink-skinned Cree are more durable than the blue-skinned Cree thanks to their evolutionary growth. The differences between the Cree races has played a major role in the comics before, but we will have to wait to see if it ever comes into play in the MCU. We, I wonder if there's going to be a a, a, Kreetha, a Kreetha Luther King oh my God. rise up. I feel and, like uh, that's the M I feel like the MCU will be unable like they they're not gonna be able to handle that. Like they're they're they're, they're just like, no, nope, we're just not talking about it. They're all tied. They're all equal. They're all equal. It's <laughs> like we don't want to have to deal with the realities yeah. of this. No, all right, okay. Oh man, I, I wonder if they'll ever will address like the, the racial tensions in, in, in the Disney movies because like yeah. No kidding. Man, like that that was a pretty big point of contention in, in Cree culture. And like yeah. it'd be weird for them not to Cover that, yeah, well, if one fine. if one if one of any culture believes themselves to be the purebreds, there's a point of contention. For there's a there's a there's an issue. I mean, we sort of get a glimpse of of this with with Ronan and right. this whole um 
his yes. whole ordeal in the first movie yeah. and the first Guardians movie because he's all about like the the his his ancestors and like yes. following the true path of like yes. the true purebred Cree. So, uh, but we do see that he has a a, a black friend, That's a black true. Cree friend on board. So, like maybe he's That's true. He's cool with some. I don't know. I don't know what Rhodey. He's, he's slightly more evolved <laughs> than the Cree that we're hearing about in the comics, but. <laughs> I'm not giving him full. I'm not going to give him He's full like, I can't be racist. credit. I got a black friend. Check like, it out. Listen, I have one black friend. You have to stop saying that at parties. We get it. We understand. It's not. It's not making you look better. And our next bite-sized question of the day is: Did Captain America rack up any back pay for the military while he was frozen in ice? This was from Golden Horseshoe on Twitter. Great question. A pretty great name, Golden Horseshoe. Golden Horseshoe. I dig it. All right, when Steve Rogers went into the ice in 1945, he was still an active member of the military. While they may have initially listed him as KIA or killed in action, or possibly just MIA or missing in action in 1945, they did eventually discover him alive in the ice. Would Steve have been accruing back pay during that whole time? Did he wake up in 2011 with a fat bank account? I hope I hope they were putting I hope it was in a savings account that was accruing interest. Well, Good news, we're in luck because the army has officially weighed in on this question. I don't know if we're in luck because of that. Oh good shoot, news. the actual United States Army. Good, good, good news. Your tax dollars at work led to the army fielding <laughs> feeling this question. In 2016, Army spokesman <laughs> Wayne Hall stated, I'm sure after an exasperated sigh. <sighs> <laughs> nerds all right i'll answer your question (laughs) fine if captain steve rogers aka captain america were not a fictional character and the circumstances surrounding his disappearance and recovery actually real he may actually be entitled to receive back pay however a wide variety Mm. of variables would have to be taken into consideration to actually calculate the true amount of back pay to which he would have been entitled to receive at the time Steve went into the ice, he was a captain at the O3 pay grade. In 1945, his compensation was about $313.50 per month. Taking that into consideration, along with the standard increases in pay over the years, and the possibility that Captain Rogers could have been bestowed promotions, well listed as missing, Steve should have woken up with at least $3 million being owed to him by the U.S. Army. What? 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 Three million dollars? Wow! Are that, you kidding? Like that's if if I was Captain America, Civil War would have started over that. I'd be like, where's uh, my money? That's a lot of steak, mashed potatoes, and peas <laughs> with Peggy Carter. My God! Like this dude was rocking with his <laughs> vibranium shield. Let's check out this rock. Yeah, it's a rare rock. <laughs> yeah, you guys got your gold. I got my vibranium rock. Wow! Oh. Dude would have been balling. Oh, those are some great questions. We've 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 rifled through all of the quality. We've gone through all of the bite size, and now <laughs> all that's left is to dig through our box of scraps. A box of scraps. A box of scraps. It's just a box of scraps. So, our that's box a, of scraps yeah. question <laughs> empty. Summer is almost upon us. It's uh, a lot of people are claiming this summer for a lot of different kind of people, but I have this. To say this is all there's only one summer. It's big head summer, baby. It's big heads gang summer. 
This is the summer yeah. of large craniums and vibraniums, okay? We're getting it in. It's going to be very painful. Uh, big head summer. All right. So. You already know, bro. I'm going I'm to go. I'm going to take this big head tanning. That's it's right. It's going to be even browner than you've ever known. I, Get I'm, ready. And this head too somehow. Uh, so what fictional land would you like to visit on a trip to this summer? What fictional land oh. would you like to visit on a trip this summer? Hmm, that's a great question. Do you got, you got the answer to this one? Uh, I do, I do. Uh, for me, hmm. it's a place I've always wanted to go and that is the, uh, that is the Cloud City. That is the cloud. I want to go to the Cloud City. Oh my uh, God! That's land, a great destination. Are uh, you kidding me? Land of uh, scoundrels, smugglers, thieves. I want, and I'm talking pre-imperial occupation Cloud City. I'm talking when it was run like Vegas. <laughs> I mean, obviously. I want, I want to go there. I want to gamble. <laughs> I want to play all those weird dice and card games. I want to visit the Twi'leks and their pleasure gardens. I want to do it all, okay? It's oh going to happen God. for me on Cloud City. Uh, I may even fall in love. Honestly, straight up. That's the land of Lando, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. that is the best Hell yeah. place Hell yeah. to be. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. like, it's one of my favorite, like, lands oh in the Star Wars when universe, I was a kid, which actually helps me answer this question. Yes. When I was a kid, I thought that there was, like, if there was ever a way for Cloud City to become real, I would do anything to live there when I was, when I was eight. Factual. Yeah. Factual, because it's just so beautiful. Like yeah. they did a really great job in was it episode five when they were, when they introduced the Cloud City? That's correct. Um, just like bringing that place to life, yes. it just looks so good. Mm -hmm. Um, to this day, it holds up. Like the whole production value just holds up to the scene. Absolutely. Um, but speaking of Star Wars, uh, you actually helped me think of an answer to this question when you said um, Cloud City. I was thinking. Oh, I always say that like my number one Star Wars destination is. Naboo from Oh yes, Prequels. of because course. Because Naboo is just a beautiful freaking planet. Yes. I love Naboo. It's my favorite planet. If I were to live anywhere yes. in Star Wars, it would be that green luscious planet. Great answer. With, um, Gungans, unfortunately. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> yes, well, hey. Um, uh, yes, you know, it's gotta be Naboo. Even Paradise has a few rough edges, you know? It's like, what? what? <laughs> How do we explain their accents? Is it wrong? Yes. Is it, uh, who is it for? I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's for George Lucas. At the end of the day, that had to have just made him happy. And the Goongas. And that's not okay, but it is the sad reality. All right. So we are both taking oh, Star geez. Wars vacations this summer. I love it. I know we're nearing the end because my face is hurting from smiling and laughing with you, my friend. That's it for this episode of Big Question. Thank you, as always, to MT for joining me this episode. Please follow him at Mastertainment. You can follow me at Tommy Bechtold. Follow New Rockstars. Send us your big questions using the hashtag Big Question. Subscribe to this podcast feed. Give us a nice rating and review. Subscribe to New Rockstars here on YouTube. Hit that notification bell. We will see you next week with another big question. Goodbye. <laughs>